Hello and welcome to a very special edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. I'm Josh Horowitz. Thanks as always, guys, for checking out this uh, podcast where I talk to some of my favorite actors and filmmakers uh, making movies today. And this week, I give you not one, but two talented actors. And not only that, one actor that has been on the podcast before that we love. And not only that, but one actor that we talk about every freaking week, I feel like, on the podcast. And we finally got him, guys, this week on Happy, Sad, Confused. Tom Hiddleston. Hold for applause. Yes, guys, uh, we finally got Tom uh, on the podcast. I actually came out to, I'm, on, I'm in LA right now. I live in New York, so I'm in LA on um, some other business. And the schedules kind of worked out where I thought I wasn't going to get Tom because he was going to New York when I was uh, all places LA. I was like, oh no, I'm going to miss Tom. But no, came straight from the airport. I'm in a hotel right now. And I sat down with Tom, who was doing press for his film, I Saw the Light, an excellent performance playing Hank Williams, um, a, a real special performance, a, a, a kind of a special biopic that stars him and Elizabeth Olsen. And speaking of Elizabeth Olsen, that's how we're going to start out the show. So we're going to catch up with uh, Lizzie as she goes by, uh, catch up with her about all things I Saw the Light, and yes, Avengers and Captain America Civil War. Um, really fun catching up with one of the best young uh, actresses out there. I love I loved, uh, Elizabeth Olsen, and she uh, always a pleasure to see her. Um, and then you're going to hear, so you're going to here, Elizabeth first, a little, little catch up. And then you patient folks, about 20 minutes into the, the show, I'd say, uh, you're going to hear the main event, which is our very first um, extended interview with Tom Hiddleston on the podcast. Didn't get quite as much time as maybe we all wanted, but guys, let's not get greedy. We got Tom Hiddleston on the podcast and um, it, it, it lives up to, I think, everything you'd want it to be. He was charming and funny and delightful. And uh, I'll talk a little bit more about that after the Elizabeth Olsen interview. But for now, let's start out with Lizzie Olsen talking about I Saw the Light. Oh, look, who just dropped by? Oh, yes. I did. I, I dropped by or yeah, you dropped by? I was by? here. I oh, was right. Here. Yes, I did. I dropped you by. You came to me. Yes, I did. Not I really. did. This is not my, I did. I'm in a weird hotel You room. have such a beautiful house. <laughs> I like to decorate my apartment I like hotel I love your Keurigs. <laughs> is that what they're called? I don't know. What, what are we calling The ones that are like the coffee espresso machines. I think they're called Keurigs. Oh, yes. You're right. You're right. What a little thing. Is that your preferred method of coffee? No. I have a drip. Is that what it's called? Yeah, a drip? Yeah, it's a drip. <laughs> Just American I got the, coffee. I got the drip. It's not a press. It's a coffee. In case of the drips. I've got the coffee coffee. Um, it's good to see you. <laughs> <laughs> it's the worst introduction ever to an interview. It's not an interview. It's a conversation. Um, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you. We've only recently started to bring people back on the po- podcast. So here's right. the thing. Because like, I don't, I don't want it. Like, we do kind of, it's not like a definitive conversation. We didn't yeah. even cry the first time around. No, I don't think I cried. You didn't cry. Mm-mm. But I cried afterwards. But that's a different story. Uh, <laughs> but I like to mix it up. But like then someone like you is, is like around doing stuff. And I'm like, oh, I want to talk to her. So we're going to do a short little chat. I like it. Up. We're catching up. I like a catch up. Um, I don't like ketchup, but I like a catch up. You don't like catsup? You don't like the ketchup? I'm not crazy about ketchup. I'd rather have mutard. What's, what is your, where do you come down on mayonnaise? Um, I think veganaise tastes better. Oh, interesting. Yeah. What is in veganaise? I couldn't tell you. <laughs> Could not tell you. Are you vegan? No way. <laughs> Jeremy Renner and I split a 25 ounce ribeye two nights ago. <laughs> a good way to come off the wagon, though. Yep. The first time. <laughs> yeah. Not vegan. <laughs> it's weird, though. I do like some, um, like, uh, like mock duck. I enjoy, I think, sometimes more than duck. Interesting. I've never had mock duck. Mock duck is actually really good. You say you're 
sound pretty good. Not <laughs> Thank you. Up. I try. Um, we're talking about condiments and I saw the light. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I have my mutard line coming out as well. <laughs> nice. <yes. Yeah. laughs> so I was, I was talking to your buddy, uh, Tom was just in, we were chatting about this film and it, the, the weird cyclical nature of press tours and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, cause we talked about this at Toronto where mm-hmm. it premiered. Oh yeah, we did. Right. Yeah. We sat in a booth. So, so do you remember <laughs> it well? Oh, I feel a great deal of guilt about that conversation, actually. You want to know why? Why? We did a dub smash at the end. Do you remember that? I do, but I don't remember what it was. It was... It Was Was it Star Wars? It was. Good, good memory. It was Luke Skywalker screaming no. Yes. And I was new to dub smash at the time, and I deleted it by accident. Oh. I was wondering why I didn't go viral that week. <laughs> Like, as soon as you did it, you're like, bam, <laughs> you're welcome, internet. <laughs> you're going to crack it too, internet. <laughs> Interesting. So my apologies. Um, <laughs> but is, is it odd? Do you ever find yourself on a, uh, doing press for a film where it's hard for you to kind of like reaccess it? Because you kind of moved on three different iterations and you're like almost forgetting even the experience or how people are interacting with sometimes it. Sometimes I feel like I, I feel like sometimes, you know, Marla, Marla will say like, oh, remember you said you said something when we were talking about it months ago yeah. and I found it interesting. So maybe you could say that. And I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Because all I can really remember is like, you know, generally just how special we all thought this project was and how, um, and I also just remember viscerally like how I felt doing the scenes and the work we did. Um, And and it's really a personal, I think Tom, I mean, I take everything personally with my work, but it was really personal film and it was um, hard to get there, but it's nice to, the reason why it's fun to act is because you like get to be in this cocoon of another character. Right. But, but it, but and have all your secrets, but still access all those parts of you, and it's really fun. What's weird is that I know I couldn't like tomorrow just jump in and like be Audrey, right? Because I have been doing gun training for two months on this other project, and I just feel like I'm in a totally different world, right? I'm, <laughs> I'm glad you you you, you finished that sentence with on, yes, an, on another, project. another project. I thought you were just training for a militia or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not going to get political, but no, (laughs) I am not doing any of those things, but I am a pretty good shot and I'm firing like 600, um, live rounds on weekends. Wow. Yeah. So this is you and and Renner. Yeah. Reteaming in a different, much different kind of capacity. You're an FBI agent. Um, I'm an FBI agent, white, blonde, young FBI agent that, uh, calls, that gets called onto a reservation for a girl who went missing and is found dead and raped. Um, and on reservation land, if it's a homicide, then you can get a federal team in right. to investigate it. But if it's not a, if you can't make, argue at a homicide, it's reservation police territory. Oh, interesting. Okay. So there's so, a clash of that. Kind yeah. Of. And everyone hates me. Cause like I represent a lot of things that they hate and yeah. they send me, you know, in their mind, young and experienced, um, who doesn't know this land. Right. But it ends, it's a really special film, I think. We're having fun. We've only filmed a week. We're in the second week right now while I'm here. But Does, does it feel a little weird to 
run away for a couple of days to do this kind of thing? Or are you like, oh, no, I'm in it. I'm, 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 I'm I thought I'm it would it. feel weirder, but I've been wanting this movie to come out for such a long time. Right, right. You got to see it through. I'm really you proud just... of it. And I really like, I want to celebrate tonight. I have so many, I've literally 18 friends coming tonight and family, <laughs> but like there, there, I have a lot of people coming tonight because it's been such an important job to me. I don't know what we just, it's just one of those. It's like that and Martha have been like the two most, um, the most important experiences I've had. So you, you were talking about like shooting with Tom and feeling kind of a visceral kind of like satisfaction yeah. or whatever it is. I mean, can you can you elaborate on what that is? Is it? Is it- yeah, it's 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 like a it's a safety net that the director creates, and it, Mark put it a little more articulately today when he said we were doing a junket and he was saying how Tom and I. Um, don't keep a boundary between like cast and crew. Right. Like we engage the crew. Like we, everyone is there for a reason and everyone needs to be there. Right. And everyone should be treated equally. Um, and so. In Novel that, idea. Yeah. Pretty basic. <laughs> um, and so with that comes like a very collaborative, safe environment that the crew can be a part of as well, where you feel safe to, to play, to be uncomfortable, to be vulnerable, to make mistakes, to fuck up, to experiment. And then Tom and I are just both, our whole thing is like just to be, just being present and engage. And like, it's not about us. It's about the other person right? and that play. And so a lot of people I'm sure work like that, but for some reason, and we, we figured that out when we did this audition together forever ago, we could see that we liked, like we'd say something and, and then we'd, use and, we'd, more on the and we're person. both trying to figure out now, what are you really thinking? Right. And so there's that fun game that you can, that you get to do, which, which is so satisfying. And then you get a, and that's when you got to get lost in the scene and not think about whatever it is you have to do next. Cause you just know that you guys, that both people are yeah. in it. So that's really fun. What about, I'm curious now, like when the reverse kind of happens in a scene or you're, you're, with an actor and you're realizing they're so in their own head and in their own performance. Yeah. yeah. That's and, gotta and be then, a little disconcerting. Yeah. For and, you. and, but you have to even take that into, you have to take that as information. Right. You're, you end up allowing yourself to then have your character judging them for that narcissism or something. Right. That yeah. makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> makes you sense. just play Use with what it. you got. The yeah. hard thing is, is when you're with someone who can't remember lines because then because then you just can't do anything. Right. Because they're stopping by going, oh, what is it again? Well, it's just taking you out of the moment. Yeah. The reality of it. And so that that you that you can't really do much with. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you've got a baseline, guys. Just know your lines. Yeah. <laughs> so, so um, that's acting 101. Any other yeah. tips for the, for the beginning beginner actor? Know your lines. Know your lines and show up on time. Show up on time. Actually or treat early. the crew like they actually exist as yeah. 100% human beings like yeah. you are. Be kind to people. That's what Tom, <laughs> Tom's great at like leading that on set. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and, and you've, you've been pretty protectful, uh, uh, protective of this character. I yeah. Feel like, right. I mean, yeah. and you have to, and you, cause this is the kind of thing that like some people can see it a certain way. And your whole thing is to create a full bodied person that like maybe on the surface seems unlikable, but like you want you, your job is to create a fully fleshed human being that has colors. And yeah. And also the more I learned about her, the more I realized, well, you know, like, she was a businesswoman. She was manipulative and she did want to be the center of attention and she wanted the fame and she wanted to have her own career. She also was pretty smart and pretty pushy. 
and was making the same phone calls a male manager would be making, but she was making it. So probably made her seem just as a woman at that time, more irritating. But she was also dealing with a husband who was a full blown alcoholic and, you know, a genius, which, which when someone is very talented at what they do, it's all consuming and you, you can't, it's hard to interact with that because you then you're just playing for when do when do I come in right um, and she I feel like that was that was was a root of a of a larger issue and yeah you know, he just he wasn't a great husband or father I would think um, so, so <coughs> switching gears a little bit that probably the next time I'll, I'll see you is going to be on a ginormous. Yeah press tour yes so jeremy's uh, gonna be here for all of it like i get these days off to do this and he gets those days off to do that for our movie (laughs) they can't do much without both of us that makes sense (laughs) so so are you you feel like a veteran at this point you've been through two i feel like i'm part of the game you're not the newbie anymore you don't have to go to the hazing rituals yeah black panther's the new guy please whatever you're you're old i'm part of it i mean we did these weird viral videos for promoting it i don't know when they'll hit the interweb But there was a little sketch Mackie and I did with Chadwick about um, teaching him how to be the new guy. Amazing. <laughs> if only Mackie had some personality and could light up a room a little oh, bit. Oh, if only Mackie decided to not be such an introvert. The world would be a different place. <laughs> how there's enough oxygen for the rest of us. Yeah. Well, Anthony I, lives. I'm gasping for air and I'm in the same room as Mackie. <laughs> <laughs> so were the Russos a, a fun kind of different kind of vibe? Obviously, yeah. everybody loves Joss. But the yeah. Russos are now, I mean, they kind of are running the show. They are. They're cool. They're fast shooters too. That's amazing which is for interesting. that kind of film. Yeah, like we'll we won't even cut. We'll just do series in that kind of a movie, which is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> have Have they? Do you have a sense? I mean, when you do a film of that size, um, do you feel like you have a handle on what that film is, or do you just have a handle on kind of the stuff you? I in? have no idea what these movies will ever become. <laughs> It's always a shock to me. I think I know now better how they're going to make my powers look. Right. And I trusting that some yeah, fun so, things are coming out of your so hands. That this time. I got. That I understand. <laughs> um, other than that, like I truly, I don't understand the mind that can. I've told them this. I was like, I don't know how you guys know what pieces to put together. Like, yeah, there's previs. Those are cartoon <laughs> video games. Like, I don't know how you how they can think of all of this. And now with Avengers three coming up the third phase of Marvel, <laughs> it's a lot of us. Yeah. There's a lot of us. There's like dozens, literally. Yes. There's so many people. And I have, I don't even know if that's how they're if, like in my mind, I'm like, well, are you guys writing the script based on people's schedules? Like, Oh, you know what? We got Tilda and we got Chadwick. They happen to be available the same day. Let's put them in a right, scene and make it make like sense. An, just an organizing schedule. <laughs> yeah. Get creative. I don't know how they're doing it. <laughs> it's overwhelming to me to think about. And I don't have anything to do with it. <laughs> I just show up. So, you know, your to-do list, your to-do list is finished. This very cool new film with, yes. with Renner. Yeah. Um, and then uh, ginormous, kind of crazy hopefully not press kill tour. You this press tour and then I'll and then I'll go do something else that ha- isn't official yet but it would be fun um, can you be more vague I don't know because they haven't announced it <laughs> yeah we can be we can't be more vague I can't I can't be more vague no don't don't I, yeah said so, the voice behind so the screen. it's not like a big thing it's okay. just like a small project that that sounds it's gonna be fun to work on um, for a cool and small then, project with yeah Wilson. and then I'm, I'm I'm developing some things which is exciting oh, for cool. me 
but I guess when you're on the developing side, you're like, does this take six months or does this take five years? So I, I don't really know what's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll root for six months at least or yeah. closer to that. Yeah. that end. <laughs> and we'll uh, keep tabs on you next time around on Civil War. We'll get an update. Yeah. Um, congratulations on, I saw the light getting, Thank finally you. getting to the theaters and letting people see these great performances. And this, it's a, a, a hell of a piece of work from both of you guys. And Thank you. It's always a pleasure to see you. Thanks. I'm happy you came to see us. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> see you next time. Okay. Today's sponsor of Happy, Sad, Confused is Casper Mattresses, obsessively engineered American-made mattresses at a shockingly fair price. And now, guys, you can get $50 towards any mattress purchase by going to casper.com slash happy and using the code happy. Listen, guys, you spend about a third of your life sleeping. Let's make sure you're doing it on a good mattress, okay? Casper brings together two comfy technologies for better nights and brighter days, latex foam and memory foam, so they've got just the right sink and just the right bounce no matter how you sleep. Plus, they've got a risk-free trial and return policy. They'll deliver it straight to you, and you can try it for 100 days, and if you're not happy, they'll pick it back up. At the store, maybe you get a minute to try mattresses with Casper. You actually get to sleep on it. It's $500 for a twin-size mattress and $950 for a king-size mattress. Comparing that to industry averages, guys, it's an outstanding price point. So get $50 towards any mattress purchase by going to casper.com slash happy and using the code HAPPY. Terms and conditions apply. Are you guys ready for the main event? Here comes my conversation with Mr. Tom Hiddleston. A lot to talk about with Tom. He has just finished shooting Kong Skull Island, his ginormous King Kong movie in which he is, he's action hero, action hero Tom Hiddleston, like we've never seen him before. So that should be a treat. We talk a lot about that, a lot about him uh, seeing for the first time on screen in in an extended way. And I saw the light. We hit up on High Rise and um, uh, all sorts of other upcoming projects, his his interest in going back to theater, um, his friendship with Benedict Cumberbatch and Eddie Redmayne. Um, We reminisce about his childhood favorite movies. There's so much in this conversation. Conversation. We jam-packed a lot into about 35-40 minutes, so I hope you enjoy it. Please enjoy my conversation with Tom Hiddleston. Happy Zai Confused, the podcast. Happy Zai Confused, the podcast. We finally have got the man, the myth, the legend, Tom Hiddleston. We've met in the middle in LA. We have. I've come to you. Yeah. You've come I've from, come to you. You've come, from, you've come further than I've come for you. <laughs> I have, yeah. You're little, because I know, yeah, there was, I was actually, I almost made it out to Skull Island, but I couldn't quite make it work, but. Um, you couldn't get through the storm war. Apparently. Oh, yeah, there you go. Teaser. <laughs> um, <laughs> but how are you doing? I mean, because, yeah, we were talking as you walked in the, in the room here today, um, I always tend to see you right before you go off on an adventure and then post-adventure. So are you a changed man? Or? I have I have Josh Horowitz bookends <laughs> to my Skull Island experience. Right. Um, Hopefully in the middle, it was more entertaining and exciting than our conversations. No, well, it, it, was, it was certainly uh, an adventure. God, it was an adventure. Um, we were in three, three continents, three countries, uh, started on the island of Oahu in Hawaii. Then we went to Gold Coast, Australia, and then we finished up in Vietnam. And um, I'm slightly, uh, I sort of need to be, someone needs to put me in solitary confinement for a week because I, I landed on Friday and I've come straight here and, and um, I don't quite know which way is up because right, sure. I, it's, it's sometimes, the, what's so interesting about being an actor is the, 
the juxtaposition of experiences is is um sometimes the thing that that never gets remarked on right because i've just like for the last two weeks i've been running through a swamp in rural vietnam um which is a, a real swamp there's nothing studio produced about it there were little spiders you know dancing across the surface of it um they said the water was clean i had my shots but but um it was you know the crew were in waders and we were all in there basically um you go from yeah you go from you go from academy awards golden globes red carpets to it's it's a job i mean it's a beautiful job but it's also as it's it can be arduous and taxing mentally physically all of it and 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 you're sort of chasing the daylight always because when the sun goes down you can't shoot anymore and you've only got a certain amount of time and then you jump on a plane say goodbye to your temporary family who you've got to know for the six months and come to um California to talk about a film you made 18 months ago and that's always the that's always the the, disconnect the weird disconnect the actual present tense for me is um is that you know Skull Island is in everyone else's future because it comes out in 12 months but it's in my immediate past and I saw the light is coming out this weekend but I made it 18 months ago and it's this crazy time travel yeah, thing. And, and we, we talked about it at a film festival and it's just the nature of release schedules and whatever. It's like, yeah, it's got to screw with your head to a degree. You, you mentioned something though, that, that I've, that, that I brought up with other people and other people have brought up with me that I find fascinating. And I'm wondering, was there like a shift when you start out and you, and you, you think, you know, on the first film or two or theater project or whatever, that this bond is so important, like we're going to be friends forever or whatever, and that it ends and that just the nature of the businesses, you can't keep them all with you. It's just everyone's, you're yeah. travel, your traveling circus, you know? Yeah. Did that ever hit you hard in the beginning? Like, wait, where did everybody go? You've all, I've, <laughs> you've left me behind. I've left you behind. Yeah. Is that a strange? It's something you can't, you kind of become accustomed to. The great pleasure is when you realize that actually life moves in circles right. and you run into people again. And you and you meet up with them again. You pick up where you left off, and um, some people you don't see again, um, but you can still feel pride from afar as they go off and do different things. Sure. But it is nice when you come when things come around. Yeah. Um, and actually, Skull Island was a was an incredible experience. We were we were we were, a, we were an amazing crew. It was such a disparate group of people, and um, but we had so much fun and and. Um, it, it was, I don't know whose idea it was, but we sort of, we did all, we did so much together. Um, right. It was that like Brie did a lot of organizing of like special Brie, kind of, Brie, uh, yeah, we had a weekend. There was, a, she was flying back and forth from Hawaii to LA in, in the, in the autumn because room had opened and, and, um, was garnering all the attention that led her to win 8,000 awards for it. <laughs> all observed. Um, and, um, so she had to keep coming back to LA, but there was one weekend that she was in, um, in, in Hawaii. And so she called it the Breakend. Um, and the Breakend was, was, was packed with activities, which included laser tag, uh, go-karting, karaoke, um, and uh, a whole other resorted group Amazing. activities. It was really I can only fun. imagine you laser, laser tag. I feel like you're competitive. I feel it's like you would. far too embarrassingly competitive. Yeah. <laughs> I get very frustrated with the technology. You know, I was pointing my gun at the target, pulling the trigger, but, but it, the lights didn't, um, right. 
that why didn't your lights go off? You know, why? <laughs> I'm sure of my shot. <laughs> yeah, I've done it right, yeah, guys. Exactly. <laughs> if, you, if you were on Jeopardy, you would be that jerk contestant yeah, being like, Alex. Yeah, well, the buzzer, come on. Come- <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, can you make the buzzer work, please? There's a bias about the way that these buzzers are rigged. out to get you. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> so, okay. So, in, in, the, in the case of something like I, I saw the light, is, is this a case where it's like, um, it scares me a little, so it's worth doing. It scares me. This is a scare. It scares me a lot, so it has to be worth doing. Right. Um, I think because I've always, I've never wanted to play one type of role. And, and I know it seems, um, probably it seems strange to think of it now, but when I first got cast as Loki, it was seemed very far away from me. It wasn't immediately... Um, people's idea of who I was as an actor. Right. So you presented, if you broke down the character of Loki and, and, and sent it to a casting director at the time, most people wouldn't have said, Oh, you know, you know, you should do that is Tom Hiddleston. Right. Um, and, and, and part of what I've enjoyed so much about my very short career is, is that I've always tried to sort of think outside the box and be quite deliberate about that and say, I know you don't think that I can do this, but let me just show you. And um, I enjoy that because I think that we are, for me, it's, I, I come away, the experience of acting is about emotional and intellectual expansion. It feels like traveling to foreign territory and you come back with a, with a broader idea of what binds people together, that actually that different people feel very similar things. And, um, and I enjoy that. That's a huge, a huge, um, personal gain um but it's also fascinating to 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 bridge the gap between yourself and somebody else who's very far away and find the common ground and with hank so interesting because there's so much about hank williams that's not like me right i was born in london in 1981 um the the perception of me is almost overwhelmingly british Mm -hmm. um and and hank is 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 an icon and part of the fabric of America. Um, but he's a performer and he, he's someone who understood the, the, the genuine connection between, um, his, his performance and, and his audience. And, and he had a huge joy that that he, that, that he communicated, I think through his music. And I feel the same way about acting. Um, and I always believe there's a very real ancient connection between, between people who are performers and, and their audience. And so I related to that. And, and music is a massive part of my life. I've never played music. I've never been a professional. But it's always been an inspiration. It fuels you, right? Yeah. right? Well, I think music's the most immediately emotional right. um, uh, art form. Right. And, and the most naked means of expression. I've always, and that's why we revere singers. Especially the greats, like, I mean, even if you have people now like um, um, Adele or Amy Winehouse or Nina Simone or Johnny Cash or Bob Dylan, there's some, you know, back when I was a student, everyone talked about Jeff Buckley and Nick Drake. And and, um, there's something very pure about the human voice, which is different from acting and different from painting and different from writing. Um, And I had such respect for that. And, And this film was a way of exploring that 
in, in myself. Well, and it's why that, that question often comes up in my kind of conversations with actors where it's like, you know, what music did you listen to to get into that headspace? You don't necessarily ask what, I mean, you could ask, and it does happen, what movies are you watching? What TV are you watching? But it, you're right. It's, it's, it's a visceral, it's, a, it's an emotional yeah. shortcut in a yeah. way for, for, for many of us. Um, you talk about similarities and differences. I mean, one like seeming major difference beyond just the cultural background, et cetera, is that, um, He's a pretty self-destructive, yes, self-destructive guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you're seemingly not much of a self-destructive <laughs> guy, but I mean, is there is there something that you can tap into, something you can relate to, something you've seen in others, something that's inherent in performers in all of us? That mm. I think it's. I've always been fascinated by um, the electricity that comes off individuals who seem to live without a safety net, right? And I think, um, especially performers who seem, who don't have that, who seem to live with, with, with a layer of skin, with, with one less layer of skin. And they could be actors, they could be musicians. Um, and there's something very compelling about it. It's as if they are, they are standing at the edge of a cliff and they lean out and are unafraid of the fall. And if they make art in that moment, it's very compelling. Right. And they can be musicians, they can be, they can be poets, they can be um, writers or actors. But I think we're, that there's something so courageous about that fearlessness that makes the art so powerful. And, and um, I don't have that. I, I, I get to the edge of that cliff and I can stand there for a bit and I take a step back. But I, I also, I, I think that's a good thing and because I don't want to, so many of those artists don't make it. And they die, and they so many have died young. Hank died at twenty nine. James Dean, Jimi Hendrix, Marilyn Monroe, Jim Morrison, Janis Malt, Joplin, yeah. Jim Morrison, Heath Ledger. They're not, they're not with us anymore. Yeah. And 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 I'd be so interested to see their work as mature artists. You know, it doesn't it doesn't have to be the case that that you only make good art by 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 living as dangerously as that. Right. I don't believe that. Um, there are so many people. Who may who've may who've done their finest work at the end of their lives, right. you know. Um, I'm or trying if, to, or if you even look at someone like the who's not at the end of their life, but who's been doing it for thirty, forty years, as someone like Sean Penn, I think of as like that electricity that's yeah. always there, that's, right. uh, That feels like he's on the edge and it's yeah. like taking risks and yeah. Um, but yeah, there's something electric, something that very alluring about that. I think that's whether we're talking about music or film or TV, whatever. Yeah, I think it's sort of the, the impetuosity of youth mm. that there is something that happens when you're young that your instincts are pure, that you're unguided um, by commercial instincts. You have a song in your heart and you sing right. it and it's, and you know, and that's what, and that's what, that's what's crystallized in that moment. Um, and then maybe as you grow older, you become, you become more jaded, you become right. more sort of sophisticated or something. But, but if I think of, I'm trying to think of, um, I mean, there's so many actors. Think of uh, Jeff Bridges, think of Anthony Hopkins, who, continue to do some yeah. beautiful work in, in their, in their maturity or, or um, like I said, Sean Penn, um, I'm pretty sure Tolstoy wrote war and peace um, when he was an older man, right. <laughs> you know, that didn't, right. that wasn't the work of a young man. Um, but um, well, uh, it's an interesting conversation, especially uh, where Hank is concerned. I'm also curious, I mean, you kind of alluded to this already about kind of like, you know, pushing yourself into areas that maybe others wouldn't necessarily think of you uh, as being right for, um, Coming out of an experience like this, just either coming out of the experience of it or seeing it, 
how is your toolkit expanded? Does it feel like I, I now have, I, I've sung on a screen, I've portrayed someone else on screen I've, uh, th that, that lived and people know very well. Does it feel like, does it give you a little bit more juice going into another project? Sure. I mean, I don't know what that project will be, right. but, but you know, it, it's, um, I have less fear about, about music now and where I, and if someone I'm called upon to be musical in something, I will always have a, a little bit more confidence because I've played Hank Williams, you know, right. um, I have more proficient in the guitar than I used to be. <laughs> um, I can yodel. I don't know how that's a transferable skill. You're good at it. Um, uh, I can do it. Yeah, it's had a variety show night now. Special, yeah, exactly. My, my specialty. Truth or, game of truth or dare. You're really uh -huh. good at now. Um, and then something like. Um, Skull Island, I'm curious about in that, like, I remember talking to you right before you went off to that, and, yeah. and some of the challenge of that would seem to be like, and people discount this sometimes, but like, it, it's a real challenge to be the hero, to be the archetypal kind of like um, uh, center of attention in a film of that type, that size. Mm -hmm. yeah. Did it feel um, as you thought it would? Was it challenging in ways that you didn't expect? It is interesting, actually, because, because um, if, you're, if you're sort of the leading protagonist in a film, um, quite often the the interesting jagged edges uh, are are given out to other other right. actors or other characters you're um, a straight man yeah but right? but actually i i did enjoy that responsibility especially as there was it was it was probably the most physical thing i've ever done um the character i play in skull island has a particular skill set that is unique and useful to the group um, and, it, and, and is tested and challenged when he gets to the island. And, and it's a physical one um, because he's somebody who has an affinity with the natural world. He's someone who's experienced in the jungle. And so I quite enjoyed that responsibility. There's a lot of physical training and a lot of um, stunts. And I enjoyed having that at my feet, yeah. if I'm honest. Um Speaking of the skill set and, and, the, and the many skills you possess, we know you are a master comedian, thanks to, if nothing else, to our work together. <laughs> that's, just the, that's just the work of folly. Please. Folly, folly and embarrassment. Oh, my God. I don't, again, we, we say this every time we get together for one of those sketches. Like we, I don't know how to set the bar any higher or more or more left field or right field because they're going. Yeah, they're I'm go pretty sure wearing a tux on a rocking horse uh, shouting, I'm a cowboy, is, is a career high for me. You actually cried in that monologue. I know. It was the end of a very long press tour. <laughs> yeah, you were summoning the emotions <laughs> of a press tour. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but oh, I guess my question is, this, do you, because um, you really haven't done something, at least a farce in that kind in film. I would film. love to so much. Right? I, I, you well, need honestly, to. You I would, must. I would love to. Um, <laughs> it's I keep <laughs> trying to find, um, I keep, I'm putting it out there, you know, um, my, I always tell my agents when they send me uh, scripts, which involve, you know, I'll read a script and it'll be the most intense, emotional, kind of desolate, heartbreaking story. And I'm like, guys, remember that conversation we had about comedy? <laughs> like to see you sad. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, I'd, I'd love to do it. And I'd love to do it with someone, you know, with, with a group of people who were experienced and, who, and, right. and you know, um, there are directors and actors who constantly do the stuff and it would just be nice again it would be new territory for me or it wouldn't particularly be new territory honestly as a kid when i started acting it was always about making people laugh right always it was about the, the purest farce running into walls and falling over um it was never about you know it was always about entertainment in that right. regard so i'd love to try something i don't know what it would be but 
So uh, let's talk a little bit about that growing up in terms of, I mean, we've geeked out to a degree over the years. Um, um, heat. Oh, you know, I had Michael Mann on the podcast recently. Wow. I mean, it was, it was a moment. It was a moment. I thought of you. Um, yeah. Um, but what were the first films or directors that really made an impact on you? Even maybe even before you knew what it was or what you wanted to do, Mm. just the stuff that stuck with you. Um, I loved the Indiana Jones films. They really were like when I, when you asked me that question, you see him running in front of a boulder. Yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> or I see, I see him on, in the Temple of Doom, standing on the bridge, yeah. holding the Shankara stones, <laughs> about to sever the uh, sever both sides of it. Moharam, um, I'll see you in hell. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I, I really did used to love them so much. Um, everything about them, you know, the the sort of the the good humor, the warmth of it, the heroism, the theme tune. I love that theme tune, um, and. Um, what else was there? Back to the Future I loved. Really used to just love those films, especially the first two. Yeah. Um, it was, I think it was the concept of it. was It was so mind-blowing yeah. as a child that, that this crazy, crazy old scientist had invented a time machine. And Michael J. Fox is so good-natured in it. And so he's such a great avatar for right. all of us, you know, because he's so confused. Yes. By it, <laughs> well, as he would, would be. be. Exactly. <laughs> um, um, so yeah, those, I guess those are films I loved growing up. And then things like Short Circuit 2 and, um, <laughs> Wait, Short Circuit 2? The second one? Yeah, Short Circuit, Short Circuit 2, Gremlins. <laughs> you know, I'm a child of the 80s. Wait, I, I, um, I hear you. Gremlins 2, The New Batch. Is Gremlins not, 2, not The a, New Batch is the best. It actually may be better than it, Gremlins. Well, what I love is just it's a totally different genre. It's yeah. like a genre list. It kind of yeah. skewers yeah. all of them. Yeah, Ghostbusters. I think we've talked we've about talked, Ghostbusters before, not, but it yeah. is kind of a perfect movie. Yeah, yeah it's perfect. Um, I love it. I mean, it's I watched. I, 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 it's, it's that era of filmmaking that that I loved most. I think part of my lizard brain. Well, you worked with Spielberg. I did. Yeah, on War Horse. Yeah. Um, is that a case where you just bottle it all up, or is there a day on no, set no, no, where no, you? No, no, there was a day. Well, he was so generous with it. I mean, he must get this all the time yeah. of working with younger actors. We were shooting the cavalry charge, and. I, he was very happy making that film, and and f- because in so many ways it was a um, his way of tipping his hat in in respect to the people who'd inspired him, especially that cavalry charge was was his homage to David Lean and and, and all of that. And um, it was a beautiful summer in London in August of 2010, and. We were waiting for the horses to come back around, or, or we were waiting for the camera trucks to to align themselves so we could reshoot. And I think um, Benedict Cumberbatch and Patrick Kennedy and myself just sort of turned to him and said, "So, Stephen, <laughs> that's the time. So um, let's start with close encounters." He, and, go <laughs> <laughs> and he was he told this amazing story about um, about the Last Crusade, and there's a scene in an airship. Um, where uh, Sean Connery and Harrison Ford are, are, are sitting, having a sort of having father-son banter, right. and um, because Sean Connery is Sean Connery, he can do whatever he wants at that time. Um, it was very hot in, in the, on the set, and um, Sean Connery just turned to Stephen and said, uh, "Stephen, I'm, um, I'm going to take my trousers off. It's a little hot." <laughs> And you're, so he you're was, shooting me. Yeah, you're shooting me from up here. Don't. <laughs> so he did the whole scene with no pants on, 
<laughs> oh no, you've ruined the film for me. Maybe help. And then oh. what I love about it is then apparently Harrison Ford, not to be outdone, goes, oh, I'm going to fucking take my pants off. <laughs> so you got Harrison Ford and Sean Connery doing a scene from Indiana Jones, The Last Crusade with no pants on. That, was, that, that wasn't in the director's commentary. Yeah. There was no director's a, commentary. A trouserless Indiana Jones <laughs> and a trouserless Sean Connery just shooting the breeze. <laughs> so to speak, um, you, uh, you've been in a cocoon. Do you know they're doing another Indiana Jones? Have you heard? I did hear that. Yeah, I do. I mean, all I heard was the headline. I and mean, that's all yeah. there is to say yeah. at this point. Yeah. But I mean, this is exciting. Yeah. This is good news. Yeah, yeah. I'll take Harrison Ford at 97 for Indiana Jones, please. <laughs> He's the only man. He is Indiana Jones. Right. Uh, speaking of uh, icons, what, what's with all this James Bond talk? So, I mean, is this just, is this just fun? I, honestly, it, pure speculation. Right. That not, Have and, you and, practiced in a mirror saying... My name's Bond, James Bond, ever just for shits and giggles? <laughs> I mean, maybe when I was 10. Because um, <laughs> your voice is cracking. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of those things, I think, as a British actor, where, I mean, when it comes up in conversation, you, you, it's just, you know, you, someone who's been a fan of the series as a child, and you kind of go, really? Right. Like, you've got to be kidding. Even the notion of yeah. being in, con- in yeah. conversation. That's <laughs> um, but I, I know it's all come from The Night Manager, which right. is this... Um, series that's already aired in the UK it's airing in the US in, in April on AMC and I play a spy I play a, a, a Brit, an ex a former British soldier who who is recruited by MI6 right. to become a spy and and it's it's all there's a seduction and a glamour to that world and he's seduced very much by Hugh Laurie's character who he plays an international arms dealer right um and um, and so people have made the link, uh, but but honestly, I think like who's going to be the next Bond is is sort of like one of those national pastimes. Right, it's a, it's, it's, like, it's a fun bar. Yeah, conversation it's like exactly. There's like five conversations. There's a who's going to be the next James Bond? Uh, who's going to be the next Factor? Um, when is the na- England national side going to live up to its full potential? Um, is Britain going to leave the EU? Uh, of those, <laughs> I will take the bomb yeah, talk. And what happens in the next in last night's episode of EastEnders? So, <laughs> I mean, sort of, so um, yeah. all I'm saying is, following that model, that's how it happened for Daniel. Where Cake was kind of his like glorified audition right. that got him Bond. Well, so, and listen, I, don't, I mean, there's a, as far as I'm aware, there are about 75 names in the hat, <laughs> all of whom right. I think would be great. You know, Idris. Is, uh, people talk about Idris right. for a long time. He'd be amazing. Be amazing yeah. um, Tom Hardy. Damien Lewis. Just make it yeah. like you could do like a round robin, like a steel cage match. You all just fight to the death. Whoever. <laughs> <laughs> that way we, we earn some money for charity too. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Maybe let's make it charitable. Right. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you feel a, a little, do you feel disconnected from the Marvel movies having like, you know, it's been a little bit of a gap. It's been obviously. a long time. Yeah. I haven't. Um, it's an interesting perspective to sort of see them. I, I actually enjoy what I really enjoy. Um, uh, watching it progress in a way. Yeah. It's kind of, um, I saw the trailer for Civil War and I was like, wow, <laughs> it has come to this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I thought shit was going bad when yeah, I was there. No. <laughs> yeah, my God. I feel like if Loki were in Civil War, he'd be sitting on a rooftop somewhere going, ah, oh, how marvelous. <laughs> the children are fighting. <laughs> exactly. Um, but um, yeah, I think it's cool, man. I think it's, I'm, I'm excited to see it. And um Intrigued yeah. by the notion of, I don't know if you can say anything or not, but I'll just uh, to throw it out there that Kate Blanchett, I guess, could be involved in the next. That would be Thor, extraordinary. Thor, I don't know yeah. what, what, if you're able to say or not, but like, 
the prospect of you and Kate together would be kind of amazing. I, I mean, I don't know if she's definitely doing it, but right. obviously, you know, she's an extraordinary actress and, and um, if she's up for coming to Asgard, that would be interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, it's it's coming around, you know. Um, I saw Chris Hemsworth in Australia. He lives about an hour away from where we were shooting Kong, and it was so good to see him. Nice. Um, and um, he was full of full of beans about Thor three. Yeah, very cool. I just saw Taika Waititi's new movie. Um, Everyone says it's great. It's so great. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Older people, I yeah. saw it at Sundance. It was. Yeah. It was I haven't seen it. Yet, fantastic. Well. Um, so, I mean, you, you referenced this, but Night Manager, High Rise, which we talked about, yeah. which is a bananas yeah. crazy yeah, movie. Yeah. But anyway, anybody that knows Ben Wheatley, I mean, you should know if you're walking to the theater, you're going to get something amazing yeah. And, yeah. and out there. Um, this one, I feel like I'm missing something too. There's a, like, you have at least three or I four see, movies. The, the High Rise, I Saw the Light, and The Night Manager. That's so it. only three? That's it? Oh my God. <laughs> no, but I mean, you must, do you take a certain pride in, I mean, the breadth of that work, the the, the variety of that kind of work, mm. and coming off of something like Skull Island? Yeah. This is what it's all about. This is probably what you Absolutely. wanted out of a career. It's everything I dreamed of. Um, it, it's, it's so interesting as well because I had, I really had, no, I have no control and will never have any control over how these things are released. And what's so bizarre is that the, the experience of making high rise, I saw the light and the night manager constitutes the last 18 months of my life. If right. you take Skull Island out of the equation, it's, um, it's a huge commitment of time and energy to make those three things it took me a year and a half um and suddenly they're all out one after the other and it's interesting talking about them all because they feel very different the experiences were very different sure and um i think that really is my greatest privilege is that i'm allowed to be in so many different kinds of things um that um that people trust me with different stuff is 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 very cool you alluded to kind of the circular nature of the business and seeing people come around in different ways but i mean it's got to be fun cool to see um you know eddie redmayne and benedict cumberbatch and all these guys that you worked with in different capacities or in different capacities like ruling the world in their own different ways yeah Um, yeah it's amazing actually and you feel such pride i feel such pride on their behalf you know um, How many autographs uh, of Benedict Cumberbatch's photo have you ever have, uh, have you ever signed? Have people given you? I mean, there's you guys don't look alike, but I would imagine <laughs> <laughs> people gave me lots. Of, interesting, recently gave me lots of pictures of Tom Hollander um, oh, okay. from the Night Manager. I was like, um, just say, so you know, that's Tom Hollander. You might want to get him to sign that. <laughs> um, and I've signed a few with with Benedict and me in it um, nice. from Warhorse. But um, no, it's so great when you see, like, I've known Eddie since I was 14 and he was always gifted. Um, he really was a, a star then um, and um, had a very singular talent, very unique um, sensibility. Um, and to see that grow and change in the way that it is, he, it's it's amazing. And he's still so gracious about it. Totally. Um, and um, Benedict, on the other hand, <laughs> <laughs> not grace at all. <laughs> no, he's doing great. I think I, I um, when the last time I saw Benedict was I went to see Hamlet just before I went off right. to to, to uh, Skull Island. And he, I think he started Doctor Strange at the same time I was starting Kong. Um, and um, haven't, I haven't had a chance to, I haven't been home. Did, did he then. give you a call before he did Strange just to compare Marvel notes? Like, what yeah, a, a yeah, he did. He, he um, you know, it ha- it's, of course, it has its own challenges. Sure. Um, which are mostly, um, the, it's the sustained 
uh, stamina of imagination because you're right. constantly having to generate responses to to things that aren't that aren't physically there. Right. Um, in in you know in environments which will be enhanced by visual effects. That's the job is to, is to is to continue to kind of make it real so that the audience believe it when they see it. But I think he's having fun, and yeah, I mean, what a cast! Yeah, I can't um, wait to see what they're doing. Yeah. I mean, it's a little bit seems like a little bit of a different Marvel movie, which I'm really intrigued by. Yeah. Um, well, last time you were on stage was Coriolanus. Coriolanus, yeah. Any any plans at this point? Of, are you itching? Do you feel that itch? Is that is that how it happens? Where you kind of yeah, once in a while I'm, I'm I'm sort of I'm I'm definitely thinking about it, and and um, I have a couple of ideas. I think it's I think what I the thing I miss about it is the momentum of um, of, of, a, of a performance every night yeah. is that the when you're working in film or television, there you have the the luxury of precision right. in every moment so that you can refine each moment um, over and over again, and then you leave it forever. And in the theatre, you don't have that precision. You you because you, you have to move on to the next moment because it's all sequential. Right. But as an actor, you ha- you you have you can you have a perspective on the whole that you never get as an actor in film because you leave that to the editor and you leave that to post production and and that's the thing I miss is is that sometimes if you get your ducks in a row and you're in gear, the entire performance can elevate because it has a, because every moment has a domino effect right. And suddenly you have a performance which is unrepeatable and the audience were with you and they were in a good mood and it was a Tuesday night and you have no idea why it was the best performance you've ever done, right. but it works. And then the tragedy of Wednesday morning when right. you realize you have to do it again and you don't know how. It's funny you say that because like uh, Don Cheadle was on the podcast right. and I was just talking to him and he was telling this fam- I guess a famous story that Olivier said where he did like gave an amazing performance. It was Othello. It was Othello. Yeah. And he, he walks off stage yeah. destroys his dressing room yeah. and realizes he can't do it. He doesn't know what yeah. to do, how to do yeah. it again. Yeah. That happens. Yeah, it happens. It, 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 <laughs> it's a very famous story. I think it was Maggie Smith who asked him that. She was playing Desdemona. And um, Othello famously... I, I, what I'm led to believe wasn't one of Olivier's greatest performances mm. as a, as a Shakespearean. It was actually it, comparing them with some of his others with his, with Hamlet or, or with Falstaff. Um, um, I think it was Falstaff. I may be wrong about that, but, but or with his Richard the third, for example, which is hugely famous. Um, Othello wasn't quite up there, uh, but there was one night when obviously the stars aligned and it was unforgettable. And, uh, and, and he stormed off stage and Maggie Smith went into the and said, what's wrong? You are magnificent tonight. And Olivier said, I know. And I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that, but then, you know, that happens in film sometimes too. Um, last thing before, before I let you go on this uh, crazy press tour for three different projects. <laughs> <laughs> um, the first time I chatted with you uh, was at Comic-Con and it was a big, it was a big moment for yeah. Thor and, and that yeah. cast. I'm just curious, like what your memories are. Did, did that feel like a, a moment in terms of like a shift in your life? I remember that very well. I remember where we were. I remember yeah. the interview. Um, huge, huge turning point. Um, and even I think there's a tendency sometimes to attribute meaning to experiences retro retrospectively, which perhaps they didn't have. But I, I, I know that at the time we made Thor 
and Chris and I talk about it, we knew it was a, it was going to change our lives in a weird way. Um, because it was such a good, it was such a happy experience. And also Kenneth Branagh was so on it. He was just, he was so precise and he was getting performances out of everyone that felt really interesting in terms of that kind of movie. Um, and then, yeah, that Comic Con was a, when they, when they first played that, the first trailer, I was like, ooh, this is going to be interesting. <laughs> um, By this, you mean the rest of your life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's still, it's still completely surprising. I yeah. mean, it's still, there were no guarantees. And, um, by then I had already met Joss Whedon and sat down with him and he told me what he was going to do with Avengers. But all of that had yet to be written and yet to right. be executed. And, and, and there's always, it's a, it's a, such a delicate recipe that it's so easy to screw up. So that the fact that the, 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 the path of it, my, my journey to this point is still, is still unbelievably surprising. It's a, it's a sequence of accidents that <laughs> seem to have gone very well. Well, I'll never forget that, that uh, conversation actually. I mean, I, I truly do remember you making a great impression that day and being like, guys, I, I don't know who this guy is, but he really <laughs> he seems like someone that we should pay attention to. So I'm <laughs> glad that I was proven, proven correct. Um, Thanks, your, your name has come up a disgusting amount of time on the podcast over the last couple of years. So I'm thrilled that finally we got you on. Um, it's good to Thanks, see you, buddy. Bob. Congratulations on I Saw the Light. Thank you. High Rise, The Night Manager, Skull Island. Oh my God. It's just obnoxious. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Thank you, man. I really appreciate it. It's good. It's nice to see you and it's good to be on here. So it's good to see yeah. you as always. Until the next time we do something uh, stupid. Oh, we like to alternate stupid and smart. Yeah. It's smart, yeah. smart today. Yeah. It was nice. Yeah. yeah. We kind of, we crammed a lot in there. We clasped yeah. up the joint for a yeah, change. That's all right. <laughs> but I'm very happy to, I don't know. How, where, where do we go next? I don't know where oh, we go God, in terms of our skits. I don't even it's know. It's not possible. It's not. It is possible. Believe. Would it be for Skull Island? Maybe it will. Yes, it will. <laughs> <laughs> Until next time, buddy. Thank you, sir. Just what is the mysterious secret of Uncle Bertie's botanarium? This is it, Solander. My Uncle Bertie's botanarium. My word. Look at that big statement. It sounds very tantalizing. Could it be a treasure map? Or some sort of evil flower? No. It's the latest Howl original starring Jermaine Clement. You will become famous. You will go down in history. Do you have any psychic credentials, cheesemonger? Yeah, they're just out of the back. Have a minute, sir. I'll just grab it for you. should always check their psychic credentials. Very, very astute, sir. Very astute. This 12-part adventure series is set in a fantastically imagined new world with original music, brilliant sound design, and a talented cast from Wellington, New Zealand. The Nettled Spaghettarium Nocturnum. The Night Spaghetti. It looks like spaghetti. Yes, and nibble the stem. What's the taste of? Extraordinary. It tastes like spaghetti. Yes. Spaghetti. But specifically when you eat it at night. Experience the mysterious secrets of Uncle Bertie's botanarium today, only on Howl. This has been an Earwolf production. Executive produced by Scott Ackerman, Adam Sachs, and Chris Bannon. For more information and content, visit Earwolf.com. Earwolf.